Uh, look, listen to your employees. You know, we're going to stay on topic here. Uh, your employees have so much information as it relates to, and generally speaking, they want improvement and growth in the organization. They're probably the biggest supporters and aligned to a company's success. And if you don't have an ability to tap into feedback coming from them, that's where a lot of companies fall down. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. All right, Rebel HR listeners, welcome back. Thank you for joining us this week. We have a good show. We're going to figure out all things comp. With us today, we have Tang Nguyen. He is a comp expert and an HR insider who has spent his career focused on compensation, a founding member of the Salesforce HR team, and then later executive director at Connery Consulting as a comp consultant. Now he is CEO and co-founder of OpenComp, a company focused on bringing compensation intelligence to high-growth companies to help them get pay right. Welcome to the show. Thanks a bunch. Looking forward to this. Me too. You know, before I hit record, I was just, I told you, I'm just really looking forward to figuring out all of these compensation issues, so... <laughs> well, I don't so, know if we'll figure it all out, but we'll, we'll give it an old college try. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, that's actually kind of where I, I wanted to start with this. You know, we we're going through a period of heavy disruption. Um, you know, there, you, there's all sorts of headlines around the great resignation, the great recalibration. You can put whatever buzzword you want on it. Um, but a lot of a lot of the underlying feedback that we're hearing there is with things like wage inflation, um, with you know people's attitudes towards work changing. Um, you know, I think there's probably some generational differences um, out there in the current market environment. As you look at the compensation equation, where do you start? You know, where should a company really kind of start as they look at this? Well, I, I think when you take a step back and and certainly kind of focus on the companies that we work with in terms of this this kind of growth early stage, you know, recently financed or uh, got a slug of money um, in the coffers or ready to grow. Uh, look, I think compensation is uh, sometimes they've um, historically it's been put in the back burner uh, to a certain extent, right? And I think the the, the planning, the data, and the strategy in setting up compensation is is much more important now than ever, right? And I yeah. think you've got uh, social impact issues um, um, that are obviously enhanced by the pandemic um, and everything that we're hearing on the, in the news, it's just really heightened. Right. So um, I, I don't think you can, you can push this uh, down uh, behind um, other initiatives. I think it's a, a top five initiative for any CEO or any founder or any executive builder to get this right, because uh, getting at least right is a, is, is a, uh, is a strong word, but at least putting energy and resources into it and developing a strategy and being able to communicate that strategy is absolutely critical uh, in the early stages here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and coming from the other side of the equation, as somebody who's, I'm in an organization that's, you know, 140 plus years old, yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to do it early than to try to like unpack, you know, an absence of a strategy and, and focus on some of those things you're focused on. So I, I it, it, you can feel it on both sides of that coin. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the, you could see it in the candidates, in the resumes, right? Most of these resumes uh, these days coming in, you're seeing um, at best two years of tenure uh, before they're departing. Right. And, and that's really tough for an organization, as you know, to onboard and make that investment into employees and have them potentially walk out uh, with all that knowledge. I uh, could call that DNA, that asset out the door in two years because they're not happy is is probably the biggest and most costly challenges that we're seeing today in in, in companies. Absolutely. You know, it, and it's I think. What's been really fascinating is, you know, yes, compensation has always kind of been underlying. And, um, but I tell people now, it's like, you know, just getting your, like the correct pay levels and structures, that's like table stakes now. It's like, you know, if you're not doing that, just forget about it. I mean, you, you know, you're, you can compete on all these other aspects, but the pay just has to be correct um, from the get go. And, and your, your structure has to be correct as well. So, so as you look at, a, at, at the organizations you work with, as you look at some of your past experience, what does a good compensation strategy look like? What, what are the elements that, that you would consider to be good uh, or right in a, in a comp strategy? Well, I, I think, you know, data, uh, number one, um, the ability to articulate or communicate um, uh, that data and actually operationalizing it. So there's really three things that uh, I try to work on with our customers. It's data, uh, comms, and actual uh, program implementation um, of those three. Um, and if you if you really focus on kind of, I mean, there's a lot of layers behind that, but if you really focus on being able to do that, uh, then I think you're well on your way into developing, you know, a sound compensation strategy, i.e. a philosophy uh, and all the components that kind of make that up. I love that. And I, and I think it's, um, you know, so often we, we talk about, you know, compensation and, and all we talk about is data, right? Where it's like, you know, which, which program are you using? You know, which consultant are you paying to do a data study? And then it's, and then they give it to you and you're like, thanks. And, and that's it. And then it sits in, and then it like sits in the HR department and until a board meeting or you're, a manager says, Hey, what's this labor grade or what is this, you know, h- how much am I going to pay this new hire? Um, but so often the, you know, the actual implementation, the communication, like the, the actual connection to employees on what the strategy is, it's just, it, it's just almost left out right so so as you think about well let's let's maybe walk through those one by one as you th- as you think about data um i think in my opinion one of the bigger challenges with data is figuring out which data to actually listen to because there's just so much and so many sources so so how do you start with kind of filtering uh filtering the right data well, I, you know, as basic, basic as it is, I think you've got to understand uh, the inputs or really the challenges around your talent 
meaning is it geo-based or is it skill-based? Is it widely distributed across the domestic U.S.? Is it international, et cetera? But by defining those attributes and really kind of understanding um, the, the, the type of folks that you actually need in your organization, then obviously you can kind of really uh, ring fence the data that you're looking for. And getting data that is uh, fully audited and, and really sound to um, uh, your business and the, not only your business from an industry perspective, but your business in terms of its stage um, of maturity. I think that's really important. Um, not all of us can can hire, as they say, from the fang companies. And, and, and when we say that, uh, this could be uh, even non-technology companies, right? So um, um, you've, you've just got to really be sound with your financial planning as well. And I think just, you know, being disciplined across the board, just as you would uh, with your personal finances, right? You've got to understand uh, your headcount plan, um, everything that impacts all those finances, the benefits, and really building a data set that supports a majority of your population. And obviously, there's always going to be the outlier cases uh, when you're making hires, et cetera. But you want to build that into your model uh, and your strategy as well. But it starts with that kind of uh, understanding uh, that data framework or IE kind of the, the profile that you want to establish and then using that to really kind of uh, take the next step forwards into your analysis and, and you know, those things that indicate what you need to do and, or, or not need to do in your programs. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's, it's so easy to fall into the trap like, oh, well, I need an engineer. So I'm just going to go I'm just going to go look for engineers. You know, I'm going to go find that. Look at look at the BLS and just pull, you know, see what it but it's like. When you start going down that rabbit hole, you're like, oh, well, do you need a chemical? Do you need mechanical? Do you need software? Do you need <laughs> application? Do you need a travel uh, component? Is, you know, is it, can we hire anywhere? You know, it, it's, it, it is absolutely critical to know what you're looking for. I'm curious because, you know, the companies you work with a lot, you know, obviously you're going to have, you're going to have founders. You're going to have people who were, were there in the beginning. I'm assuming that, maybe the internal comparables um, maybe aren't apples to apples all the time. How do you, how do you kind of handle that when you're coming in and, and, you know, working through a strategy when there's, there's a lot of pay differences uh, and just different profiles. I think that's what, you know, uh, that's where the kind of data management comes into play. I mean, the reality is as you grow, You've got different, uh, and we talk about stages here of growth. You've got a, your compensation strategy changes dynamically, meaning the pick, certainly in, in, in the, the, the tech, uh, side, you've, you're heavily influenced on equity, uh, generally, right? In the early stages. And that, that slowly shifts as you, um, um, attain more cash, create more revenue, et cetera. But, you know, these markers, change aggressively over time, depending on your growth rate, right? And being able to really manage that growth and understanding the dynamics of your proxy data that you can compare to influences your compensation strategy. And going back to what we talked about earlier, I don't, I don't think people pay enough attention to this iterative like assessment of their pay strategy because 
what tends to happen is even within a year or two years time, even for us, right, those that came in much earlier in the company's life cycle, their pay is much different. So there's this iterative, like, you know, assessment period that one needs to address. And it's, you know, I think uh, there's the old legacy uh, we can only do this once a year and, you know, let's plot along and and kind of manage. Um, but we're talking about disruption here. We're talking about uh, generations uh, that have changed their behavior around what they want, where they're where they're working and where they're living. Uh, everything is upside down uh, on its head, you know, uh, certainly with the pandemic, as we talked about. So. To really be disruptive, you have to be super iterative and you really got to have the data, the real time data coming in uh, to manage those changes. And they're so frequent these days. Uh, the companies that don't manage the frequencies of change, they're losing people. They're not going to be successful. If they're not hiring diversified employees, they're going to uh, they're just not going to be as as uh, competitive and effective. Uh, I, I deeply believe that's what it takes these days. Oh, you're bursting my bubble. So you mean like uh, I can't just say, well, we do that three percent merit increase, and uh, you know, every year, and 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 hope that's yeah. good enough, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll you'll see it, right? I mean, yeah. you see the expectations changing uh, left, right, and center every week uh, around this stuff. I mean, our candidates uh, and the employee population, quite frankly, is just getting um, uh, a lot more educated on what they want, right? Whether it's um, the, the pay divide or, uh, what they want their companies representing comp philosophy, more transparency around the salary bands, the equity bands, all those things. And that's being driven by on the candidate side. And if enterprises cannot, uh, address that, that need from candidates, they're just not going to be successful in hiring those, those folks, those critical folks. Yeah. I, I think that's such an important topic. And, and I, I, I mean, I kid you not, I probably have this conversation at least one or two times a week with other HR peers. And it's the, it's that transparency piece and it's the, you know, how do you, how do you manage that? Or, you know, so-and-so is frustrated because so-and-so makes X and they think they should make X, you know, wage compression issues, you know, you know, there's, there's all that. So, um, and at the heart of it, I, I truly believe that the, the wage transparency is a noble um, cause, right? I, I mean, it, it really, it's about pay equity. It's about fairness. Yeah. It's about consistency. It's about respect. Um, but it, 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 can, it can ruffle some feathers, right? So, yeah. so as, we, as we shift from the, you know, kind of the data into the, the comms and, and program implementation pieces, how how do you approach the transparency puzzle uh, at, at an organization? Look, what, what's interesting to me is is this the notion of transparency for us has always been around uh, transparency about your pay strategy. It's not whether um, you know uh, Jim or Sally next door. Uh, I know their salary and 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 their equity and what they're taking home every day. Um, uh, what's more important is I know that uh, at an organizational, at a departmental level, my company uh, has a philosophy and a strategy to maintain consistency. And that's the big word here, consistency in approach, whether I'm re- red, yellow, green, or black, 
um, they're going to manage it in a way that is appropriate given my performance and my contribution to the business. And I think that's so critical to frame everything that we talk about in this way. And the reality, uh, I think, over the years is um, we just, you know, the HR operations, the people operations side has not Im- has embedded themselves in the data uh, and the valuable data and the tools that support that data. So you can't draw that information out easily or HR professionals uh, are fear data or building those models out or extracting that information and running the analysis. So they actually have, you know, the, the scorecards or the information they need to actually make that business decision. Um, and that's what our, our goal has been over the years to say, let's, let's take that, that fear or that challenge of uh, Excel or the numbers and really elevate that or put it in an area where it's easily addressable, accessible, or you have the instrumentation you need to run your business from a people enhanced people perspective. And that's the disruption. That's the challenge over the years that it's just been buried. That information is buried and nobody can access it well and they can't activate it. That's why you kind of get the whole HR slag all the time, right? In terms of, oh, they don't do anything on this. They're just administration, et cetera. Um, but I think there is a big change that's happening with our, uh, our functional uh, industry, and that is empowerment of, of uh, really easy-to-use instrumentation uh, to manage people better. I love that. And I think it's such an important call out, you know, I mean, most of us in HR didn't go into it because we love Excel spreadsheets. (laughs) And then we get into it and we're like, and, uh, you know, we're like digging through, you know, a comp structure and it's like, this might as well be in hieroglyphics. I don't even (laughs) like, what is this? Well, you know, what is comp ratio, right? You know, it's stuff like that, that, um, you know, my biggest piece of advice is, you know, if you're an HR person, go make a friend in accounting. You know, it's like you can be like the dynamic duo. Like you don't have to be the expert, but like find somebody that's really good at Excel. It can just be it can be magical. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, there's 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 just so much information in your let's just call it your employee census. And then you attach, you know, rate of change or things that happen over time it really unlocks your ability to support your your business stakeholders uh, by 10x, 20, 30x. If you're able to, to really kind of uh, face that or extract that information, man, it's, it's hugely powerful um, for your organization. And it'll make your life a lot easier on top of that, right? So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I... Um... I think I'm probably a little bit of an outlier where, you know, one of my, my favorite classes in, uh, in, in college where actually I, I had two favorite classes. One was ops management and one was st- statistics for business, you know, because I could see like, there's actually a practical application there versus like, it was a little harder for me to do the, understand the calc connection, but stats. Okay. I get this. Like, okay, there's an outlier. There's, you know, there's a standard deviation. Like, okay, I can actually use this for, you know, uh, for, whatever I end up doing. Um, but I do think, you know, as, as we think about, um, all of the information that we have access to a lot of times, 
we're also very, very protective of that information, right? And for good reason, right? There's, you know, confidentiality reasons for, you know, a lot of different aspects of what we touch. Um, so how do you, as you, as we think about that transparency, how do you figure out, okay, we want to share, we want to be transparent about pay strategy. You know, how far do we go with the actual dollars and cents that we share in the strategy or is it more about kind of approach or is it different for every every business what's your what's your take there well look i think you know when you think about like financial planning building out your pro formas right i mean all of that every element of that is has been booked and you have a range from which you are are you know um operating from right and um that same financial like range as it relates to pay or equity for an individual, what you're going to pay for benefits and all those, that's a, that's a total cost. And uh, within that, that total cost, there's breakdowns of, of that. To me, sharing those breakdowns to a candidate is no different than building out your budget at a macro level. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it's not about, again, it's not about the, uh, uh, the, the, the detail about that individual, but this is the information at an aggregate uh, you can share. And what, what that does is it, it just, it builds that trust between that employee or that employer that says, really, you know, we're, we're thinking about this holistically. We're thinking about this uh, philosophically. If I were to share with you a range right for a chemical engineer in your organization it's not giving um anything that is uh telling about the uh you know the very specific engineers it's just saying here's our range structure and this is the same structure that we're using to build out you know uh budgets within that department right um i don't i don't think there's confidentiality uh issues in that like everybody knows you're building out your merit cycle. It's 3% or 4% and you may have 5% for promotions, et cetera. Let's just expose that and say this is programs happens uh, twice a year or once a year and it's based on X, Y, Z. But we're even fearful in even sharing that information, right? Or not providing that information to the appropriate party so they can articulate it to their employees. There's just this, this, uh, this kind of hostage around data and this information that I just feel like it's, uh, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Because everybody's using this information to, to, to manage the, the company um, um, programs anyways. I think it's a great call. And I, I think I, you know, in, in my opinion, I would go back to a word you used earlier, and that's fear. You know, it's the, it's, it's the fear of, oh, if I tell somebody, you know, our merit budget is 3% this year and they get a two, you know, now it's, oh, geez, now I've just created some conflict. Now I've got to explain to this person, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do this and this goal was missed and this and this, and that's why, right? And that's hard. Like, that's not fun, but it, it might be necessary, <laughs> right? So I, th I think there's some of that, um, but but then I also think it's it's um how would I describe it? It's it's almost like um I I feel like it's if you've got 
somebody who gets a promotion, it's like you want them to feel like they're 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 special. So if they get a standard, let's just say five percent promotional increase, that's what everybody else gets with a promotion. You know, it's 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 maybe less special. You know what I mean? Like, but a lot of I guess I think what I'm really getting at here is we're operating off assumptions, assumptions of how a, a human will respond uh, when we do it versus the um, the potential assumption. And I would argue maybe the more realistic assumption that someone might think that they're being paid unfairly if you don't do this. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is these, these decisions sometimes, um, while they may be bubbling up, um, um, like issues, employee issues or sentiments about, you know, I should have performed X, Y, Z. I think it, it, it forces, um, you to really address your program holistically, right? The reality is a lot of this stuff is done discretionarily and you can do it from an individual perspective you can really kind of isolate. And that isolation, um, quite frankly, sometimes isn't tracked. And then what happens is you've got a lot of exemption uh, handling of of everything through your employee um, um, adjustments or, or actions and you're not addressing the problems uh, holistically, and I think that's what we're trying to say. If you, if 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 you can do this from a programmatic perspective and maintain that programmatic consistency, you're going to be able to uh, really kind of effectuate change um, with those programs where you need to do it anyways, right? Because no program it should be stagnant; it should it should be iterating and changing over time as as you grow. And I think. You know, that's the only way to uh, to kind of force that data to come out. Otherwise, you just got, you know, discretionary management uh, up and down. And that's going to cause problems uh, on an individual base basis all day long. Right? You've seen that. We've all seen that in organizations <laughs> that do that. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen that, you will. Just give, just give it time. But yeah. No, I mean, no, I've never seen that before. Yeah. You know, I... I am one of these, like, I'm not, I don't love policies and I don't really love bureaucracy. You know, I feel like so, and you know, our show talks about that a lot. Like we're, we're kind of trying to, you know, shake off the old paradigm of HR as the bureaucratic, you know, uh, admin function. But when you use the word discretion, as it relates to your compensation structure and strategy, it's pretty dangerous. (laughs) Gives me you know, and so many companies use that as an approach. That's what's scary about yeah, it, yeah. right? I mean, it truly is. Um, and look, I think this notion of discretion means, for me, it's really about, hey, we want to empower our stakeholders to do what's appropriate to run their business, right? And I think there in lies like the disruption in HR programs, right? Imagine a world where. Uh, all of this stuff that we need to do is obfuscated in the back, meaning the data is there, all the instrumentation is there, and there's not this this forced process where, hey, I need to address employee pay, personnel pay, promotions, merits throughout the year. What if you could do that throughout the year without going through an arduous forced focal review model, whatever, so you can actually address your people as you need them, as they, you know, are performing or they're not performing, et cetera. Right. And again, this is not being like this HR police or, or anything else. We want to ultimately fluidly 
empower our our operators, our leaders, and our uh, people managers to manage their people. But they need help. They need the back end support. They need the data to do that. And I think sometimes um, the way we do it today, it's counter. It's it's a conflict of interest, right? Um, because none of that is is really built in an easy uh, process model, or there's not tools that allow that that hiring manager to do that or that people manager to do that. And thus you wrangle everything into a, a year end model and you force all this rigor and all this, you know, uh, what can be deemed as bureaucracy uh, because you don't have the infrastructure to support them throughout that kind of 365 day kind of management cycle um, that really would be more supportive of that employee's growth and that, that manager's, um, you know, ability to run that team more fluidly. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think a great call out and, you know, I think many of the, you know, many HR professionals can, can relate to that. It's the, you know, well, we, we have this schedule and this is the schedule, you know, and, and that's, and, and, you know, deviations from the schedule are, are, you know, un, not correct, but, um, you know, whether it's right or, or wrong really kind of depends on, does it achieve the goal you want it to achieve? Right. Which is retention of your key employees and, uh, you know, recruitment of new employees with a, you know, competitive pay and benefit structure. Right. So, so if it's not working, then that's, you know, that's exactly why our show exists. Like maybe we need to change. Maybe we need to think about it a little differently. Right. Even the largest tech companies, the, the billions and the billions of market cap. <laughs> Even they're going through the stand, standard ar- arduous process of, oh, we've we've reviewed these uh, these individuals. Now we have to wait for for uh, the ability to actually address their successes, right, through promotions or not. But it's going to take eight months to do that. Yep. Man. Yep. Right. Yeah. No. I. I yeah. Um, I, don't worry. I'm taking notes here. Cause I'm like, yep, we've done that. Yep. Doing that right now. So I'm not trying to change that. So, so, that, so that's one thing I do want to talk about because I think, I think it'd be easy to listen to this and think like, well, yeah, you know, that's tech or that's, you know, that's, that's a high growth company, but you know, we, we're not like that. Maybe we're a small business or maybe, you know, maybe we just, maybe I'm, I'm a corporate employee and I don't have the ability to make these types of changes, but I guess that's one question that I had is, you know, as we talk about kind of these creative compensation strategies, um, how do we help match that to our organization values, you know, and, and, and really the organizational goals and how, you know, how, how do you approach that? Well, I, you know, first and foremost, I think, you know, uh, whether you fall in the camp of, Hey, we're not going to do anything or we, you know, we're, we're not tech or the belief that I, I, I think you're going to be forced into that, uh, generally over time, uh, through your, um, uh, through your talent needs. I think candidates are going to want, uh, what we're talking about here, transparency. Um, they're going to want to know, you know, uh, if they're applying for said job, what salary band, uh, it is coming in and they're going to want to know, uh, possibly the diversity within the function or the company, uh, and they're going to want to know the pay equity. 
I think that's, you know, that's coming down the line. We're seeing it come through from a, uh, a public company uh, perspective. Uh, we're seeing it come through certainly on the tech and tech is certainly one of those pioneering things. And over time, you see this even in, in, in policy, right? California, New York State, Colorado, like you have to uh, put, put your salary bands out there and it, it's coming, you know. Um, so companies need to address it, right, um, um, some way, shape or form. And I think, you know, um, from a data and innovation perspective, I, I think tools are coming to help companies do this much quicker and easier. I mean, that's why we're here. Um, that's why I started my company here uh, to do that. Uh, so you don't need uh, 20 uh, compensation consultants, even though I was one uh, back in the day. Um, and we charged, you know, handsomely for our services. But at the end of the day, it's not scalable for for folks, right? We need instrumentation out there. We need uh, easy to use models, data models, easy to use uh, analytical instrumentation that allows um, uh folks like you, Kyle, to manage your company better and eat more easily without having to, you know, uh, pile a bunch of money into some basic data that should already be there and you already have from an organization perspective, right? Um, so don't know if that answers the question, but I think uh, we're going to be forced to um, to address all of this. And, and I think there, there are a lot of uh, innovators out there trying to uh, support this through technology. Absolutely. And I, and I think, I think you're right. And I, th- I think that, in, and we've seen this just in, you know, some of the hiring we've done just over the last few years, but you go back and you look at like some of the surveys, you know, some of the, the surveys of, uh, you know, new college graduates. And, and I mean, the, the, the drive and the desire uh, for their organizations to have, you know, equitable practices. And I'm not talking just pay. I mean, we're talking, you know, um, cognitive diversity and, and, you know, what we would highlight is, you know, traditional diversity, you know, metrics. And, you know, again, that's kind of like table stakes now. It's like, if you don't have a social responsibility pledge on your website, um, candidates just won't even interview with you. They won't apply. You know, (laughs) Um, I was looking at a survey the other day. I had to pull it up here as we were talking that um, uh, those born, uh, 1997 to 2010 or Gen Z, um, 36% say equality is the most important cause they want their employer to support. So that's like, that's not like them saying that it's important for them to support equality. They're saying like they, like one third of these people want their employer to support this in one way, shape or form, right? That, that was pretty astounding to me because that, that's very different than, you know, the, the hiring environment that we've had in the past, yeah. at least that I'm used to. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, with ESG investment, I just think it's, you know, um, again, um, I think about my kids and like what they want, how they're being educated today. And, um, yeah, it's just much different than um, certainly how we grew up and how we were educated and what our expectations were and what our expectations for our employers, meaning what we asked for our employees in terms of information and data. It's just much more rigorous now. Absolutely. We're, we're a growth company and, and we have these, it's, 
it's nice because we do this, right? And we have this data, we built our, our company around it, but uh, it's just validating uh, with the, the employees that we've, we've hired. Uh, they're asking every, uh, all the things that, that we're hearing about. Absolutely. I think in the same context, it's, you know, you mentioned this, you know, job length of two years. I mean, you know, two, three years, if you're lucky, right. That's yeah. a, that's a seasoned employee yeah, exactly. in some, in some industries. Right. And it's, um, you know, the, the truth is that that's happening because people have better opportunities elsewhere. And if you, if you look at the competitive landscape, a lot of times people can get a 10, 15, 20% pay raise by switching jobs. Well, you're probably not going to give them a 20% pay raise during a merit increase cycle. It's just not, you know, economically feasible uh, most of the time. Um, so they're going to need to, you're going to need to have them stay for a different reason then if, if you want to keep that employee, right? Most likely. Um, but if you have like a career path, right? If you have like a, like, you know, documented levels and compensations associated with said levels and a, and a career development pipeline that goes along with that, that that person can invest and engage in. Well, Oh gee, maybe, maybe I don't need to answer that LinkedIn, you know, the seventh LinkedIn request for an interview that I got this week. Right. I mean, cause that's the environment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Look, I, I, it's it's interesting because uh, I was having a conversation with my engine product team it's a couple of weeks ago uh, on this, and one of our lead um, uh, product, she said, it's really around this idea of of work happiness for her and trying to figure that out, right? And we were talking about like how we can, the virtues and, and the values that we're putting in our product. And to me, that really stood out. And it's not meant to be hokey, but like, that's what I worry about. You know, the team happiness, team alignment, because the reality is we don't, we're not max dollar providers, right? Meaning you're coming to us for very different reasons, whether it's our stage or what we do or, uh, you know, the people that uh, we work with, because at the end of the day, when you're dealing with highly skilled kind of white collar professionals, there's always a higher player, meaning, you know, you can always, especially in this market, you're going to be able to get a job making more money, making more equity, all those things. So what keeps you here, right? What keeps you happy? It's it's the little things that, that, uh, add up to to really big things, and I think that's those micro loops of of all the things that we do as an employer uh, to ensure that you know uh, our employees are are having fun, they're rich, and they've got a great opportunity for growth. And what they're working on is um, stuff that they can be proud about. You know, talk about at home, at the dinner table, or at you know. Um, at holiday and Thanksgiving, right? I mean, those are the kind of intrinsic things that say, well, if you're talking about that in that way to your mom and dad, and you've got a smile on your face, you're likely going to stay, right? <laughs> I love it. Although I will say it at um, Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, I do have some really good stories from the world of HR that we're all laughing and smiling for different reasons. Because like, like what happened? <laughs> yeah. There's always those. Yeah, those those are fun. Too. Although you know, you know, with the, in the dark humor of of HR, sometimes that is, is 
entertaining. No names were used. Don't worry, anybody. No <laughs> confidentiality was breached. But uh, yeah, there's been some crazy days. Well, this has been just a, a wonderful uh, conversation. I think just um, you know so much great content to think through, and and um, you know I would encourage anybody who's listened to this um, go back to the beginning, put it on you know one and a quarter speed or two x speed. Take as many notes as you can uh, if you weren't taking note notes during this, because there's, you know, as as we're all facing this, I, I just think that the, the future of compensation is exactly what we just talked about. And the organizations that don't get that figured out now are going to be left in the dust. Um, and the organizations that do figure it out now are going to be the winners and, and they're going to uh, they're going to be better off for it. So um, that being said, we're going to shift over into the rebel HR flash round. I can't wait to hear, uh, your responses here. So, okay. Question number one, where does HR need to rebel? Oh man, I think it's, it's got to rebel against its current, uh, traditional processes. Uh, I think HR can be, uh, uh, it, it could be a data sciences function, quite frankly empower, use the data. I think it's one of the most powerful things HR professionals uh, have access to. But in today's, generally speaking, um, I don't see it um, showing up as much it should, as it should be. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, that's why I founded the podcast. So let's, you know, that uh, we're definitely aligned on that front, but there is so much power there. And for those of you that haven't like cultivated that relationship with your CFO or your finance person and really gone in um, and done a deep dive on some of the human analytics that you have access to, um, I guarantee you that there will be some insights that drive some program strategies. And they also help you get, you know, that the, the, the support that you need, you know, it's, then it's not just a human appeal to do something. Now you've got data backing why, you want to do something, right? It's just so critical. Yeah. It's a treasure trove of information in there. We love it. We're, we built a whole company based on it. So. Yeah. I, lo- I love it. Well, we could talk about it. That's another whole nother show. I, we could just nerd out on like, so what about this metric? How does it, you know, what's the incentivization of this metric to that anyways? All right. Question number two, who should we be listening to? Whew. From an HR perspective or just like in general, who should be listening to? I mean, I've had people name like bands before, so you can go wherever you want with it. (laughs) Uh, Look, listen to your employees. You know, we're going to stay on topic here. Uh, Your employees have so much information as it relates to um, uh, wants, needs, and and, and generally speaking, uh, they want improvement and growth in the organization. They're probably the biggest supporters and aligned to a company's success. And if you don't have an ability to tap into feedback coming from them, that's where um, I think that's where uh, a lot of companies fall down. Love that. Love that. And don't, just because you're HR, don't assume that you're getting all of that employee feedback. Yeah. Right. Like you gotta, you gotta shake the source and, and, uh, and question your assumptions every once in a while too. So very well said. All right. Last question. How can our listeners connect with you? My direct email tang at opencomp.com. Love to hear from you. 
Perfect. And we will have that information in the show notes. I think um, just a, just a wonderful conversation, a lot of great content. I think for me personally, you know, you've challenged some of my conventional thinking um, appropriately. So, and so I just really appreciate the time here today and, uh, and the, the information shared with our listeners. Absolutely. Thanks, Kyle. It was a great time. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. That does it for the Rebel HR podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.